Well, it is so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I was here uh, yesterday conducting Matt and Amy's wedding. That was a great time of joy and celebration. And it is wonderful to be here with everyone, both here in the building and tuning in on at home. Last week, Danny posed us in a, a question in our series, Equipped on the Way from Luke's Gospel. He posed a question arising from Luke chapter 14. And he said this, God's throwing a party. Are you coming? And as I recall, um, it was three times <laughs> that he asked us before we were able to, oh yes, because we realized we can actually speak from behind these masks. This week, we see the heart and the motivation of the one who is behind the invitation. The heart and the motivation of the one who's behind the invitation. So as I read from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 10, I'd like you to spot uh, the attitude and the activity that's going on in this reading. So Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Have you ever had that sinking feeling where you've lost something precious to you? And that corresponding huge sense of relief when you find it again. These stories describe both those emotions and the determined search in between losing and finding. Earlier this week, uh, one of my two cats went missing. Uh, those of you who uh, have been uh, checking in with me know that uh, just before lockdown two, I got two kittens and I've been uh, caring for them and I've been introducing them to the outside world. It was slightly unfortunate that the first time they came out of their cat flap, um, it was 40 mile an hour winds. So their first experience of being outdoors was in the middle of a, a basically a hurricane. So they shot back inside. Anyway, they've developed confidence and I've been caring for them, making sure that's all been going well. And on Monday, I got back to discover that one of them, uh, Turry by name, was carrying on the top of the highest cupboard in the kitchen and Tummel was nowhere to be seen. So I tried to keep calm, failed at that, um, went out to have a look for Tummel, shouted, could feel my heart rate getting up, uh, was really, really worried about where she could have, have got to. It was pretty clear that a 
from conversations with my neighbor that a, another cat, another two cats in the neighborhood had come into the garden and all I could assume was that Tummel had run and was outside of her territory and was lost. She didn't answer when I called her name, shook her food box. And it's fair to say that for the rest of Monday and Monday evening, uh, that was dominating uh, my thoughts. Some people here met me in the middle of it. They can tell you what I was like at that time. Um, went to bed. Turry was staying very close to me all the time. And I went to bed thinking about Tumble, thinking this is her first night. First all-nighter. Uh, not a prayer meeting or clubbing. There she was. She was off. And no... She first hours without her sister as well. Got up early in the morning, started the search again, and I started in the garden. Shouted, there was still no sign. And then walking over the wall towards me came Tummel. And I have to say, the huge sense of relief and joy as I saw her. And I immediately texted the neighbors who'd been looking for her, and the friends had been praying, because yes, I did have some people praying as well, <laughs> to let them know that she was back. And the emojis came through. All those celebration emojis came right onto my phone. Lost and found. Search and rescue. Not all of us have the experience of losing a cat. Indeed, I know, and I'm looking at one or two people here who um, wouldn't want a cat in the first place, or indeed a sheep. We haven't lost a sheep. It's unlikely in Cambridge, despite what we see on Fen Causeway, isn't it? But I'm sure all of us have experienced what the woman in this parable has gone through. Something of significant value to her has gone missing. One silver coin representing a day's wages. One of ten coins. The stakes are higher here with the sheep. It was one in a hundred. With the coins here, it's one in ten. And a systematic, careful search ensues. So how often have you asked yourself in your home, where did I put those keys down? Where is the credit card? And we do carry on looking until we find them, don't we? It kind of becomes absolutely, we have to find these things. So we can totally identify with this woman. And when she finds the coin, like the shepherd, she calls together the woman that she knows in the area, her friends and neighbors, to celebrate with her. Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. So what is the point of these stories? Why is Jesus telling them? Luke records that Jesus tells these stories, together with the well-known story of the prodigal son, which continues for the rest of chapter 15. Jesus tells these stories in response to muttering. Muttering. The Pharisees are particularly mardy that day, and they're at it again. They resent that Jesus welcomes sinners, including tax collectors. And Jesus does more than welcome. He eats with these people. For the Pharisees, to fulfill the demands of the Lord, Jesus, in their view, should acknowledge these people, but keep his distance. Having meals with people like these showed welcome, acceptance, and it's the way that Jesus spends a lot of his time. He has recurring encounters with tax collectors. And at best, people were suspicious of them. At worst, they were despised for working for the Roman occupying forces and enriching themselves 
at the expense of their friends. And yet these are the people that are responding to Jesus. They're the ones who are hearing Jesus and responding. In chapter 5 of Luke's Gospel, Jesus calls Levi the tax collector and Levi leaves everything, throws a banquet for Jesus and a large crowd of tax collectors come and join that banquet. The Pharisees complain then too. And Jesus responds with, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There was something about Jesus, the way he engaged with people, combined with what he taught, that provoked a repentance, a repentant response. Zacchaeus, another tax collector in chapter 19, in response to Jesus saying, I'm coming to your house today, says, Luke, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This is an outworking of Jesus' teaching we studied in Luke chapter 12, where he said, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. All the people in the Zacchaeus story mutter, but Zacchaeus gives a joyful response to Jesus coming to his home. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. If you're watching at home, salvation comes to this house, your house. If you're here in person, salvation comes to this house. Jesus goes on to say, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is on a search and rescue mission. And the way that he does it is that he didn't share in the sinner's activity. He didn't share in the tax collector's activity. But he did befriend them, encourage them to come to know God and to challenge them to repent with his teaching and in other ways. And that provokes a question for me. As a follower of Jesus, do I act in Jesus' way towards people who have lost their way? Do I act the way that Jesus acted? Do I speak, do I explain scripture in the way that he did? I've got a long way to go on that. So, if Jesus described his mission as seeking and saving the lost, what do these two parables tell us about God? God's attitude that we can take from these parables is that God's merciful love does not wait for the penitence of the sinner, but God takes the initiative to bring about restoration. And that initiative is God's activity of searching. The grand narrative of the Bible has the arc of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Right back at the beginning, it's clear we are created to be in relationship with God. And when Adam and Eve made the choice to go it alone, to reject their creator, God searched for them. 
looking for them in the garden. Where are you? The Pharisees have been striving to keep right before God. And they would agree that God welcomes the repentant sinner. But it is a totally new idea that God is a seeking God, that God is the God who takes the initiative. These parables point right to the heart of the gospel, the good news. God is searching. It's a far-ranging search in the case of the shepherd. It's a meticulous search in the case of the woman. And it's important to note here, the woman's search for the coin is described in detail. She's determined to find it. And Jesus uses her activity as a metaphor to describe the work of God in searching for and finding repentant sinners and for the subsequent rejoicing in heaven. In the patriarchal society of that time, the use of a woman to represent the action of God is startling. God's activity, searching. God, God's activity is to go out for the one. I think that's so important. The precious one. Looking for the one sheep, for the one coin. And God is not passive. God is active. You know, I, I couldn't have sat at home and just waited for the cat to rock up. I had to go out. I had to go around the streets shouting the name Tummel, making a bit of an idiot of myself. <laughs> shaking food. I just had to go. I, you know, I couldn't sit there, you know, and, and that's just me looking for a cat. How much more does God search for people who are lost? How much more compassion does he have on his heart? You know, my kind of thinking about, Tumble, where is she? I mean, that's only a small glimpse of God's heart for humanity, for his creation. And God, God's heart moves to that action where he sent his only son to save humanity. To save humanity, to save people like you and me, to redeem us and to ultimately restore all things. And what we see from these parables in God's activity is the joy of finding the rejoicing, in much the same way as the shepherd calls his friends and neighbors and the woman does the same, to celebrate the finding. There's a repetition in both verses 7 and 10. There are celebrations in heaven and in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's important to note that the finding of the sheep and the coin in the parable equates to the repenting of the person. The person is not staying the lost person is not staying in the same lost state. There's a return for the sheep on the shepherd's shoulders. The coin is found. And when you read on in this week in Luke 15, the prodigal son returns home. Return and repentance equals celebration. No wonder Jesus 
is banqueting with Levi and going to Zach's house. He's celebrating the loss to return. They've come into the family. It's party time. They're back where they belong, where God always intended to be in relationship with him. There's an outpouring of joy, the celebration over one sinner who repents. And this celebration is described so beautifully in the last verse of this chapter as the father, the running father, explains to the elder brother why he's throwing a banquet for his prodigal son. My son, says the father, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Are you lost? God is searching for you. That's a good thing. And he won't give up. Have you moved from that place of lostness to being found, from dead to alive? Are you someone who has turned to Jesus and are following him? Well, you have the assurance that you're one of the 99 sheep. You're in the sheepfold. Now, that's not a place of smugness. It's a place of empowerment. You get to play your part in the grand narrative, the grand story. Disciples are to look for lost sheep and missing coins and to celebrate finding what was lost. Like Jesus, let's draw near to people, point the way to God, and celebrate as God brings people home. Let's join in the celebration that's going on in heaven right now. Tim is going to take us on in our response. And I'm going to leave us pondering on one question as Tim comes. How can you, how can I participate in God's activity of searching and celebration?